When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live. Live from the Toad Hop Network studios in Hollywood. This, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It's a groovy way of relaxing. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a very special episode of Geekscape. I've been working on this one with my buddy Carl over there for not that long, but we knew it was something that we had to do because yeah. I, I, you sent me this invite on Facebook to a documentary called Doomed that is the 20th anniversary documentary on Roger Corman's infamous Fantastic Four film, which Carl is a part of. And Carl and I did not meet through Geekscape circles. We met through, like, uh, fellow friends who are stunt stuntmen like correct, you are, correct. and we were at a you know our friend James Liu who acted for me is a stuntman and uh, we went out to dinner with him and you were there and, and you were super nice and you came to my birthday and everything we've been friends and meeting I ever since. Really important. <clears throat> I'm not that important. <laughs> oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> and, uh, and, and 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 Carl knows that I, you know he learned that I was into this geek stuff and he goes you know I uh, this is the first one you said. Uh, you said, um, I played Blunt Man for Kevin Smith in Mallrats when Kevin Smith, as Blunt, as Blunt Man or whatever, as Batman, like yeah. goes through the wall and goes, like, you're, like, you're on wires and you fly into the wall. That was me. That was you. Yeah. That was you dressed as Kevin Smith as Blunt Man or whatever it was. Right. And I was like, cool, cool. And you go, oh, yeah, if you're into comics, uh, I, I was the thing in Fantastic Four for Roger Corman. I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Because as, as far as geeks go, especially geeks my age, I'm 34, so in the 90s, um, you found out that 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 they were finally making movies based on the characters that you loved in the eighties when you were growing up as kids. I mean, the Captain America movie in ninety two, like as my friend Nick Gregorio said the other day when we were talking about it because it's coming out on Blu ray next week. Uh, you know, in, in a, about a week or two, he goes, "I was seventeen before I knew that movie was bad." Because <laughs> you know I mean? as a kid, you're like, "Oh my god, these live." You know, these live comic books are you know they're coming to life. These comic books that I love in the Fantastic Four movie was even more legendary than the the Punisher or the Captain America movie because it wasn't released for us to see. Is that right? I mean, I mean, you guys are the experts. We have Carl Sierrafolio, Sierrafolio? Yeah. Over here who played the thing. Uh we've got Rebecca Staub over here who played uh Sue Storm. Well, you played uh Sue Storm/Sue slash Sue Richards. 
if you watch the movie because oh, yeah. you know. Oh, now you give away. Yeah, yeah. All right, you gotta <laughs> you, you gotta watch the movie. And then we've got Mark Sykes over here, who was a casting assistant on the movie, but today is the producer of that movie Doomed. Who? So if you go on Facebook and look for Doomed, uh, what's the full title? What's the full title, Mark? It's called Doomed: The Untold Story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. It's a movie. It's a documentary that they're shooting this summer. Uh, they would love the influx of Facebook likes. They would love your support. Um, and they're going to put this movie together to let all of us geeks know this is what went down uh, back when they made this 1994 Fantastic Four movie. Um, so as the, uh, as the story goes, Carl, you said, I think I, I think I have everybody's email address, and we can put this thing together and have a couple of them on. Joe Culp, who played Dr. Doom, is on his way here right now. Right. He's Dr. Doom, so you can't rush him. <laughs> he has to Don't make a grand entrance. We're, we're, we're glad he's here. Do you think lightning or smoke is going to hit and then Joe's going to show up? He's pretty theatrical, you know, second generation and all. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the first thing we want you guys to do is go and, and like the movie Doomed uh, on Facebook so that you guys can keep up with the updates. Is Mark, you guys are going to be working on this movie all summer or for the next year. What's going on with it? You want the big announcement? I'd love the big you announcement. Want, let's let's the, start off, yeah. The exclusive breaking news right here. Bring it. All right, we saved this for you guys. Oh, thank you. Our Kickstarter launch is May 21st. Okay. And you know we're going to go after it. You know we're going to support you guys. We hope so, yeah. That's what that's what we're hoping and for. And what what's the goal of the Kickstarter? Like, like, is there a big number that we have to hit? or 50,000. 50,000, I think, is doable. It's doable. It really is. Especially when you think of all the Fantastic Four fans and how infamous this movie was. Because, as I was saying earlier... Uh, before I got so excited that I was sitting here <laughs> with Rebecca and Carl and Mark and, and Joe's in there plotting to come in. Um, this was the Holy Grail. Not unlike the Punisher movie or the Captain America movie, in the 90s when you would, you know, when you go to conventions, this is what you had to leave the convention with because it was the only place to really find it. It was on bootleg VHS and then later DVD copies. It wasn't Theatrically released or never. distributed, it never. Never. So bootleg is really how this movie existed for well up until today. I mean, you, you can get a full version on you on Yahoo on uh, YouTube now, but yeah, for the most part, this was the holy grail. You didn't see this on a movie screen. But if you know you wanted you wanted this, this is why you went to conventions to see if you could score a copy of the Fantastic Four. We actually we actually saw it on a, not a theatrical movie screen, but we were at a at a convention in St. Louis and they screened it in one of the conference rooms but that I mean a big screen with good sound and it was I mean for all the time that I've seen it little like right. it was such I still gives me goosebumps so how long it, ago it was plays. that when was two, it two it was years two, two years ago yeah. that was the first time you guys saw it theatrically yes yeah oh, the, uh, so seen it first time we saw it on something that was bigger than a, a, a TV screen yeah wow. and with an audience and with really good sound and it it plays it really it really works you get all emotional and I think the fans have like a like a like a soft spot for it. What, what do you guys say to a fan who comes up and is like, "Oh, that movie wasn't very good," or "That movie was, you know, not my Fantastic Four." Da 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 da. What, what do you say to fans who say that like something that you guys worked on wasn't good? Well, for me, I I ask them if they bought a copy, and they <laughs> say yes, and I'm like, well, "How bad was it then?" But right. I mean, they they bought a copy. Um, I think I think when we were doing it, we knew that we only had X amount of money to spend. Mm -hmm. They had X amount of money to spend, and um, and uh, corners were being cut. But um, there was no lack of uh, of effort from anybody that was on camera, behind camera, from the director to 
producers and everybody down. I mean, we shot it like it was $100 million. And we had no idea that it would never be released. We didn't know at right. the time. So it was a full-blown project as far as we were concerned. And actually, I haven't had people come up and say, oh, we don't like it. Or, I mean, most people do like it. They prefer mm-hmm. it over the big-budget one just because of, of the spirit right. of it. It's, it's true to the comic book, and it, it's real hero material. So everybody that's ever commented, they really like the movie. I mean, the quality of it, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired, but it do, it doesn't really matter. Everybody's moved by it. The story's right on. The characters yeah. are right on. Especially think, when you compare the budgets. Oh. Right. It's pretty impressive, yeah. Oh, it's, right. I think it's very impressive. And, it, and when, I, when I posted that we were going to be doing this, uh, the, the reaction I got, a lot of re- the reaction I got was that it was better than the Fox version. Yeah. And I think that what we're talking about is the it being true to those characters, like mm-hmm. the tonality. Like, Doom is not part of the experiment. I actually, re- re-watching the movie recently, the treatment of Doom and Reed early on in the film, I think, is really good. Yeah. Um, them being friends and then the tragedy of Doom and Reed blaming himself is... I mean, that's crucial to that relationship. And Doom blaming Reed, I mean, that, that, that friendship gone awry is like really crucial to that relationship. You didn't really have that. There, there wasn't that mutual respect in, in the, the bigger budget versions. It was just kind of antagonism from the start. But this, is only, this only works if it's played tragedy. You know? And then, as Carl can attest, being the thing, um, that's the next blame that Reed gets. And then uh, overlooking his wife, who's, you know, who, who didn't become invisible when she became invisible, she'd always kind of felt, you know, like Reed was his first love was his 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 work. That's the next tragedy, and the you know what I mean. Like like you have to have that, or it doesn't work. The centerpiece of the Fantastic Four is that relation, those relationships. And I think when people say that this is a better version, is that what they're? It's definitely the relationship between the four of us, mm-hmm. and the message without being a message. But it's all of their their superhero strengths were what they thought were their weaknesses. And mm-hmm. so there's a there's a nice message that that you get without having it be really deliberate. Right. But I think yeah, the camaraderie, I mean it was that was it, I mean as just as individuals the four of us had a blast shooting it and we were characteristically so much like 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 the characters. Like the characters. I mean brilliant casting because right. uh I mean not <laughs> only Mark, how, you were a part of that. How, uh, yeah, I was Laura Schiff's assistant. Okay. But uh, continue. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. But, I mean, we were like the characters individually, but then we really es- established relationship bet- between the four of us, five of us. Five of us, yeah. Five of us. How, lo- how long were you guys oh. working on the movie? From the beginning to the end. I mean, but, but how, 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 long, how, how long was it? I mean, what was I the story? Circ- about two and a half weeks. I mean, almost, three weeks. Almost three weeks. Yeah, Are you serious? Like, like, this whole movie was three and a half and weeks. And it was right, right over Christmas. I think we started shooting, like, December 18th. Yeah, okay. And don't forget the prep for the whole movie was about a month or two. There was nothing because they had to meet the contractual obligation. So, Mark, talk about that because that, that's the that's the one that, that sometimes people get wrong or I get wrong. I get a lot of things wrong. But um, what were the circumstances with this movie being made within the window that it was made? Well, um, Bernd Eichinger of New Constantine had the license for the property, but it ran out at the end of 92. Okay. And if he didn't go into production on a film of the Fantastic Four by December 31st, 1992, he lost the license, he lost his money, and it reverted back to Marvel. Mm -hmm. And he had been trying to get the project made at bigger studios and couldn't and was about to lose a lot of money. 
and said, well, better to make a small film and make it and hold on to the license than not. And so he went to Roger Corman, who could make a movie in three weeks <laughs> for a million dollars or so. And, 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 and that was at, at what point? Was that in 1992 that he, yeah. that, he, that he went to Roger Corman? And Roger Corman immediately was like, well. Yeah, like the fall. Because I saw the script for the first time in the fall. Maybe a month before we started casting sessions, maybe two months. So, what was it? Was that September? Was that already October? Or was I want to say October. Wow. So, in October of 1992, you get the script and you can start going into casting sessions. Yeah. And the the fire. I mean, are you just getting pressure to go, 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 go? And I still have the casting session sign-in sheets. Uh-huh. No. You signed, Alex Hyde White. Wow. And a lot of other people you'll be very interested to learn. But we got to watch the Doom to see who else auditioned. Well, we, for we the have roles. to save something for that. Right. But of we're going to reveal course, everything, and it's going to be some very surprising people. So when George Clooney auditioned for Reed Richards, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're not far off. Right. I mean, I mean, he was doing Revenge of the, the Killer Tomatoes in the 80s well, and stuff he, like that. We, we, it's not that we wouldn't have seen him, but as far as I recall, we didn't. But right. we saw people of right up caliber. at that level today. Men okay, so so like Brad Pitt as Johnny Storm. Like I know he was doing like Nightmare on Elm Street, the TV series around that time. One of the Avengers. One of the current one of the current Avengers yes, auditioned. Well, that for Doctor Doom. That is a Reed, oh. That is a Geekscape exclusive. There you go. I never knew that. One of the current Avengers auditioned for. And wow. I've I've got proof. Okay. Because he signed <laughs> the darn book, just like everybody else. That is awesome. Now, yeah. now everybody's liking Doomed on Facebook. That I is, hope so. That's quite the nugget. It is, and there's more. There's a lot more, but that's one of the beauties. Now, when you watch the Avengers, you're like, I never thought anything would come of that guy. I did, because yeah, it's it's you knew it was just you know you we, knew we saw was, a, you knew you knew the talent. Laura right. Laura's a great casting right. director. You know, she does Mad Men now. She was that was her first year of casting. I mean, mm-hmm. she had been Roger's casting director for months when she cast this film. Okay. Amazing taste, amazing choices. And you guys just had to go, go, go to get the oh, movie into production, right? Three weeks of casting, I think. Callbacks were maybe a week later. I mean, okay. it, was, it was nothing. Nobody had any time on this film. And how was it for you guys? Like, what was the audition process like, uh, Rebecca? Did you have to feign invisibility? Did you have to feign any of this stuff? Like, what was it? Did you guys still remember the audition for? I remember what I wore just uh-huh. because I chose. I, I knew what the character looked like. So. I wore something, you know, like black tight leggings and I think, a, you know, a black turtleneck tight. Yeah, so I, I dressed appropriately and I don't even, I don't remember the scene that we did though. But uh, I remember I what, going in and you guys had pictures on the wall of the characters and I was like, yeah. oh, this is great. I look just like her. So. <laughs> in the, but in the movie you look just like her too. I mean, you've got the hair. I mean, everything in the movie yeah. looks. It was spooky. I mean, and the thing is, I would say, I mean, you, you when I saw the Michael Chiklis thing, you know, and parts of those movies do. I, I do like some of those movies. You know, I, I like uh, I like uh, Chris Evans and, and et cetera. Um, the thing's got to have the brow, you know. Yeah. And the Michael Chiklis thing did not have the brow. And one of the most iconic parts of the thing is that brow. I mean, that brow is the thing. You guys had the brow, and some people say that this version of the thing. I mean, at least the the, the visual looked like the thing. Carl, what was the audition like for this thing? Because it was mainly a physical role. Because who, I mean, who's Michael got, Bailey Michael Smith, Bailey played, Smith played, and he and I we talked to him over email. Yeah, and he wasn't able to make it. He's shooting in Texas right now. And and Michael Hill, an actor, big iconic um, figure in the uh, in the uh, sci-fi mm-hmm. horror pictures, and and, um, and a great guy. Michael and I have been friends since 
forever. Before the Fantastic Forum? Just at the Fantastic Forum. We just kind of been friends forever since then. And um, a great guy, very gracious, uh, very humble about letting me be the thing. Um, letting you be the thing? Well, you know, some actors will get into your head mm-hmm. and say, this is the way I'd do it, this is the way I'd say it. And Michael stepped back and he trusted me with that. And, and I took as much license from him as I could. Um, and still try to stay true to the character. The the audition process for me was I get a call and says, this casting people are looking for somebody that's about six feet tall, about 230 pounds, and has blue eyes. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm in. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what the project is. What more can is. I do? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Fantastic Four, Unido. Uh, for me, it's another title of a movie, and I get some steady work if I get the gig. Right, you weren't a fan or, no, or anything. Not a, you used anything. to beat us up, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're saying? You used oh, to beat yeah. us up. Um, I just knew nothing about comic books, and and you know, I never followed. Them. I knew there was a Fantastic Four, but um, you know, I, I, all I remember is that I went. I think I went to an audition, and I think they took a look at me and took some pictures, and then. Um, sent that information over to Optic Nerve, who was making the suit at the time. Mm -hmm. And they were very specific um, about, again, the brow, the body. Um, Somewhere in in Fantastic Four, it reads that that Ben Grimm is a six-foot-tall, blue-eyed, 500-pound rock. Mm -hmm. And so that's how they built the suit. Um, And uh, and the, the, the strangest thing was when I got there to Optic Nerve to get fitted for the suit, is they um, they were looking at me and looking at me, and then all of a sudden somebody got to my profile. I'm on profile here, and they went, "Oh my God, look how big his nose is!" Oh, uh-huh. right. And I was just like, "No, no, look, look. I can. It goes all the way down." Just I like mean, this. were you hurting for? I mean, what was your? What was the stunt? I mean, I know, I know almost. Uh, not, you know what? It, it, I know you from Fantastic Four. Like I know <laughs> you, from, you know what I mean. Like like when we've met for dinner and like lunch. Right. Like we've, like I know you worked for. I mean, you. He came. To, Carl came to my birthday party and. I have some friends who were so impressed by you because you were in uh, in um, casino. casino, you know, and, and everybody's like, "Oh my god!" Like this dude was in casino. What's he doing at your birthday party? They had no idea. I mean, they looked around and this big. I carry the vice with me sometimes. Right, right. I just stick my I head mean, in you guys Who did you play in casino again? Tony Dog. Tony Tony Dog. Tony so Dog. so you're looking at the screen and do the do the vice thing. <laughs> They're like, oh my god, what's Tony Dogs doing at your birthday party? I was like, I know, I know, uh, I rolled deep. One of those Italians. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I did the 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 thing the the thing about the thing in the movie was that they were looking for a stuntman because it was a physical part. Right. Um, they were looking for the body size, and um, I did fights. Um, went through a wall a few times. Uh, had to stay in a forty pound suit with no air. <laughs> right, it was an amazingly the suit tough was forty process. pounds. Nah, by the end of the day, with all my liquid in it, you know, okay. all my sweat in it, it was yeah, it was pretty heavy. But um, but the the strangest thing was that when they put they made me the hood and put it on, is that this is pretty much how I spent most of my day. So not only could you not really breathe in the <laughs> suit, really in with, they, they smush your nose down. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I was a stunt guy, and I had three weeks of work. Boom. Right. You know. Yeah. Throw me in. Right. And Rebecca, what was your career like up until Fantastic Four? Um, I had started out in soap operas, and so mm-hmm. I'd been on Guiding Light and uh, Loving back then. And I I hadn't really been in L.A. that long because this was 82. Yeah, I'd, I'd mm-hmm. only been in L.A. a couple of years at the time. I'd come from New York. So it was just soap stuff and um, mostly just guest spots on on uh, network TV. 
And were you a, were you into the comic books? Did you know anything about it, or did not you, that did, much. You, did you watch Carl beat people like us up <laughs> and be like, "We'll never date you. We will never my, date you." You know, I had a very uh, you know my comic book history was when I was young and a girl, and so I was you know in the Richie Rich and you know little Lulu, of, yeah, and, okay. and some Archie, little dot Archie, of course, All right? And uh, yeah, so it would yeah not not so much of the superhero stuff, but then. I found some pictures. Yeah, because you think about it, like it was before the internet. I don't even remember now how we used to look things up. I mean, right. how? Where did I find <laughs> my that research, information? My research process it involved a library. What yeah, they used to have libraries. Wait, where did I see a picture? Right. Uh, yeah, but I was really excited because being a girl and you get to play a superhero, and that—that that was the adventure to me. Was was getting to be a superhero. Yeah, and you get to hang with and, the boys. Yeah. You know, and, um, and she did good too. She did great, and, and unlike voice. Carl, she didn't even have to be there for her entire role. She could do voiceover. That's right. She was invisible for most of it. And Carl, you had to suffer through that. I mean, how many how many pounds did you lose over the three weeks of production? You, you know, because I mean, you were just sweating every day. Yeah, it was it was an easy seven to ten pounds a day of wait, liquid, wait, wait. Of liquid that would go away. Wow. Are you being so, no? I'm being I, I'm being dead serious. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Cause, seven to ten pounds oh, of sweat. It was an amazing. Uh, um, it was an amazing suit. At the end of the day, the, the feet disconnect from the body. And at the end of the day, I take my feet off and pour them out. And you wouldn't do that throughout the day? Well, a couple of times. Okay. And, you, like, so it would just be like, you'd just turn the shoes, the I'm feet upside down. Drink it and let it go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, again, I, I was having a great time. Right. Um, and, and that came from, um, thank God for casting. They were so bright about putting people together that actually can work together. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think Oli Sassoon, I think the director had yeah. Amazing t touch on all of us as actors. He was um, very concerned with being true to character and true to the books or the the, the story as it goes. And um, I remember him directing us, directing everybody. Now you're a stun guy, and only my brother and I were talking about him. He's doing, and this is why Geekscape respects him. He he does like Van Damme movies today. Yeah, like that's what he that's what he's doing now is doing all these Van Damme movies. Right. They got to put you in a Van Damme movie. You know, I've already been beaten up and killed by him a few times. What have you been in? <laughs> um, um, I know, I know James, James Liu was in Time Cop. He's the guy who was doing right. the knife fight. He gets electrocuted when, when Jean-Claude jumps up and does the splits yeah. in the kitchen. Were you on Time Cop? No, I was in um, Lionheart. Oh, man. Lionheart's and, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Have you seen the Street Fighter version of Lionheart that, that somebody just put up on the Internet? No. It's basically Street Fighter, but all the fights in Lionheart played out like Street Fighter with Hadoukens and you know really? the, the the stats and everything. It's hilarious. It's it's worth a it's I worth have a no YouTube. idea what you're talking about. I know. <laughs> Rebecca, well, Rebecca. I'm looking around this the room is, here. Is it just me? This is Geekscape. No, I'm learning. And, um, I like it. I'm learning. Yeah, some people uh, like to listen to the show because we're passionate. <laughs> Uh, we're not necessarily, uh, yeah, I mean, we, ro we do roll a little deep on Geekscape. We get pretty idiosyncratic. Uh, no, I'm saying I But uh, the appreciation is there, and uh, even if the understanding isn't always there. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, 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 are you a, you're a bona fide uh, fan, Mark. Like, you're a, you're a geek through and through, correct? When I was seven, my father opened up a comic book store. So you were in heaven. Wow. I worked in a comic book store. And they made store. him the casting assistant? Like, he should have been. 20 years yeah. before I moved to L.A. We used to go down to New York, which used to Midtown be Comics the San Diego Comic-Con yeah. of yeah. the world was New York. And we'd see Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, 
Steve Ditko, all wow. these guys signing autographs. I love, yeah, I, it's my blood. So when you're on the Fantastic Four and you're watching this thing uh, just barrel through production, yeah, um, are you going eh, when some things maybe aren't to your, you know, to your expectations as a fan, or are you just in no. like a candy store at this point? Uh, this is one of the other things I credit Ole for, right? He really, when we were casting, you guys may not have heard this during casting. You may have heard it later. He really wanted a cast that the fans would like because what would get a theatrical release would be the belief that there's a huge in built-in fan mm-hmm. following that a Corman, typical Corman film would never have. Right. Right. You know, they had a big uh, product here uh, that, that everybody already knew. And Jay, I, I think Jay, Jay Underwood, like, he was he the biggest name on the production at that point? Because I knew him Super from the... Superboy. Yeah, I knew him as Superboy. I knew him <laughs> right. as the boy who could fly. Yeah. Right. The boy who could fly with Fred Savage was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And, yeah. and the girl who played his girlfriend in The Boy Who Could Fly, the next door neighbor. Uh-oh. I was in love with her. She, I think she played Teen Witch. Um, but he was, he was the... I think he was the name. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he was who everybody knew. Certainly didn't know... Guys, look! Look who is he, look who's here, everybody. Dun, 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 Joe Colt, come on in, Mister Doom himself. We have a, a seat for you, Joe. The, the come on flickered. in if you guys want to have a seat. You can you can definitely put that on the floor. Don't worry about it. Definitely put it just put it on the floor. You guys can have a seat, Joe. This is uh, this is Doom's seat over here next to Mark. How are you, sir? Uh, so I'm doing all the research for this, and you guys who are maybe haven't seen the the Fantastic Four uh, Roger Corman film. This is where I froze in doing, in doing the research. Uh, I see. I, I'm like, what else has Joe played? And I'm like, that's why he's such a good son of a bitch, because he played Don Draper's father on Mad Men. You remember when he's Dick Whitman growing yeah. up, and his father is like really strict. Yeah, here he is, right here. I am the strict father, just as I am a strict supervillain, <laughs> a strict dictator. That's, that's right. really something else that that they did well. Um, it always. Watching the Fox ones, and I know that's like the constant cons- comparison. It's like, no, he he's not the fifth member. He was, and he's a Latvian, and he and he has his own country, and he has his own castle, and he has his own, you know, uh, you know, got goons minions, and everything. Yeah. His own minions, sure. and, and they they, they did that in the film. I mean, the, I think the fans are all going to agree that this is even with the constraints of budget and time. This thematically is the Fantastic Four. As I was telling Mark beforehand, if the jeweler. Had been the mole man. That's the right. only way you could possibly have gotten closer to the core of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we actually, I mean, you, you get to see Doom. He has his castle. He's in Latveria. He has Doom bots. I mean, everything is to the letter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what that film tried to do. Now, we talked about Carl in the suit. Uh, Let's talk about it. And as I'm watching Doom suit. in the suit, and I thought the, 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 the Doom suit is actually pretty suit. awesome. The Doom yeah. suit is pretty awesome. Was it? Uh, what was the process of, of acting in the suit? Like as an actor, were you honored by, oh, yeah. by having the mask, or was a part of you being like, oh, well, they cast me, and then they put me behind this damn mask? Not at all, not at all. I mean, you know, the, the, the good part about, uh, about uh, playing Dr. Doom, of course, was that I got to play Victor as well, mm-hmm. that I'm Victor, and then Doom in the suit. And there was no way I was going to let uh, anybody else do that. Um, it was, you know, we had to do a full body cast, make all the parts of the suit. Uh, it was, it, it looks terrific uh, on screen. It really, it looks metallic and, and the sounds and everything. Thank goodness it wasn't actually metal. It was right. a very uh, hard uh, uh, type of plastic. And it was form fit to my body. 
and I wore, uh, I did wore a, like a leotard underneath and all of that. Um, but you know, the, the, the great part about wearing the suit was that it, not unlike uh, in theater, if you put on a mask of some kind, sometimes it actually, actually creates the character for you. It gives you certain feelings and motivations because you actually have this mask on. And in this case, being incarcerated in the suit uh, gave rise to many feelings. <laughs> the tortured doom. Feelings of torture, <laughs> feelings of anger, Amen. feelings of resentment and horror. And, uh, and all of those were readily uh, poured into uh, each and every scene. Wow. And uh, question for Mark. So mm. they shoot the movie. Yeah. Uh, the movie's finished. What, what, how, they shot it in three weeks, you said, so they finished it sometime yeah, in January. Yeah. Um, at what point did it not get a theatrical release? Like you were saying earlier. Oh, that was that, quite like, a ways later. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, were, you were saying earlier that like a Corman movie doesn't get a theatrical release, but here they are with Jay Underwood and this cast, and it looks like the Fantastic Four, the fans. What kind of fan response was going on? I mean, obviously this isn't the day of the Internet when you know there's on-set photos that leak online or this and that. Was there a fan response as you guys were making a movie? I don't think it was so much as they were shooting mm -hmm. it. There was there was a little bit. I think uh, Rob Allstetter from Comic Buyer's Guide, which was one of the big fan scenes back then. Rob, uh, I'd gotten in touch with him immediately, and I think he might have visited. You're the, the mole. Set. He's like the mole. He's oh, like yeah. the guy. He's like, oh yeah. There's a leak on set, and his mark no, over oh, like, no. shoveling they, information. They, they, they want they wanted every ounce of publicity they could get. We were we milked the Comic Buyer's Guide for months. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't have Wizard back then. Right. So it was just Comic Buyer's Guide. You almost had Wizard. It was we, close, we it was like a year or two later. Yeah, yeah, it was close, but did, you know, it was it was not around. Comic buyers got right. newspaper was mm -hmm. the best source that we had, and so I think they came to the set. So that was sort of the one production publicity. And then once they had a, a cut of the film they liked, I started reaching out. Um, they let me do a little of the you know marketing assisting because I knew Comic Buyers Guide film threat. Yeah, my friend Mark Bell, who took yeah. over uh, from Chris Gore, Film Threat, right. when he saw that I was going to do this, he said, hey, man, for research. And he sent me the 1994 or, uh, yeah, or 95 Film Threat oh, yeah. issue yeah. with you guys on the cover. Yeah. Still have it. And, and Carl is you know, is talking about, like, uh, hey, I'm a Christian. There's only one superhero. Uh, JC, Jesus yeah. Christ. And I was like, yep, that's Carl. That's cool. <laughs> it's funny how things change over life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't give up religion. I mean, what, is, what has changed for you guys uh, since the Fantastic Four? Like, what, 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 what was the biggest thing that you guys take from it? And then we can get back to talking about the reception, et cetera. Like, like when, the, when the, you know, actors say that after a production, it's like you guys are at summer camp together and all of a sudden everybody says goodbye and goes their separate ways. How strong was this bond between the four or five of you guys, including Michael, did you guys ever allow Joe into that club, or, or was it like an actor thing? Where like, you know, it was like an actor he thing. Where like, I was, he's yeah, always, I was in the club. He, he's you, always been you one have of to us. have the, the the dark one who's bringing up the rear or, or the yeah, front sometimes. In, in any way, yeah. Joseph's the only one that really talks like that. <laughs> like an actor, you know? I mean, was it obvious when Joe walked in the room that he was going to play Doom? Was it? I mean, you, you were in the casting sessions. So was it obvious? We already. Uh, if timing, if, remind me. I think mm -hmm. I'm pretty right on this. We had already met you about a month earlier mm -hmm. for Carnosaur. <laughs> Carnosaur. Because I've got that That's signed right. in I book too. I no, did, I remember that. I from didn't get in Carnosaur, but he was That's great. Right. Yeah. I remember your audition. I read with Joe on well, Carnosaur. How about that? He was amazing. Yeah. That's a Carnosaur. So he was. He sort of had. 
there was a present. A little cachet in terms of Laura <laughs> and I because we loved him. Yeah. We were like, then why did you give him Carnosaur? There's always room for Carnosaur, too. It, it, yeah, who got Carnosaur? Well, well no. you know, the director if, has a if lot Car of input. If Carnosaur had had, had had happened, who knows? Maybe maybe you would maybe not. Doom well, we and you know what? Yeah, you probably instead. wouldn't have, have been Dr. Things. Doom. In That's your right. defense, nobody was... Because they shot like yeah. a month later. It, 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 he would have <laughs> been shooting during our casting. In your defense, no one went to a comic book convention in 1998-99 and was like, hey, do you guys got a VHS of Carnosaur? No. Everybody asked... Everybody asked yeah. for the VHS of the Fantastic That's Four. Right. That is That's what right. they wanted. Right. Absolutely. But to answer your question, I mean, the greatest yeah. thing that we've come away from this with is that it's still alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think yeah. that it, it, it's so much bigger because it never came out. And the nice thing is, is we, we've all stayed friends. I mean, there's not a production that I've done that I'm in touch with everybody. And so, you know, like we've done a number of comic book conventions and appearances mm -hmm. and stuff, or, you know, gotten gotten together outside of... Well, you guys so were funny. at Kamikaze. Jay, Jay and... Yeah. We were all neighbors. We all lived down the street from we each all, other. We lived, all mm -hmm. lived... Yeah, so During Jay, the production, or just... Yeah, yeah. yeah Carl yeah. and I lived, yeah. like, literally on the same street, a block apart, and Jay lived, like, four blocks over, so we'd carpool. And, and this is prior to even being cast. You guys just happened to be just, in the same... Yeah. Hey. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so you guys are all carpooling to the... So after the movie's out, you guys just kind of remained friends, but you still excluded Joe is what I'm getting at. <laughs> like, Joe was still Again, the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe's like, I'll just go back to my <laughs> Eastern European camp castle. flowering in the castle. Like, well, they'll, my day will come. I'm going to take it out on a young John Hamm. And <laughs> there you go. Do you know, I think that's what happens in the industry is, is, that, is that on a set, you know, for two, three, four weeks, you become a family. Mm-hmm. And then you go out and, f and find another family. Right. But but there's people that you Just don't orphans. lose ties with it, yeah. because it's work. Exactly. But but there's people you don't lose ties with. And, and it's very funny. I think that uh, I remember Oli, maybe two days before the end of the shoot, being very upset. Was he was profoundly upset because he was going to have to say goodbye to you guys? Oh, no, he was upset because he'd gotten the word that this might not come out. Even during, production, even during production, the word came out that this may not see a theatrical release or even a, DVD, I never a, a VHS that. release. See, I, I, I heard it after. We didn't hear I, that I, in I the think office. It came later. And I, and I Maybe there was wind about it. About it. it was, there was some wind about so it. How, how do they even know? Brother, you know what? People people know what they know. Right. And, um, and, and, I, and I think whatever that feeling was on set, whatever that camaraderie was on set, lasted all these years like I, i'm still friends with oli um, and he's got to put you in another van damme movie yeah he better uh, <laughs> um yeah, michael bailey and i are, are are you know probably closer than i don't see you very often i don't see joseph very often um and alex is off doing his movies mm -hmm. but i think um i think what's fun about this social media right now is we get to keep tabs on him. what are you doing what are you up to Right. Well, I agree. I mean, that's what that's yeah. what you guys are Facebook friends. The great irony yeah. of this thing is that, you know, we were we were certainly friendly and and friends after having gone through this together, and then leading up to well, you know, we were gonna we did some comic cons. It was gonna come out. Then there was the big letdown, and after we dispersed from you know the the the, the fallout, we remained friends, and then as as social media kicked in, I think we even got you know closer and more in contact again we started and the big irony of the of the picture is that it it's 
more popular, more known than possibly it would have been if it had come out. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And and we've done Comic Cons together where people are terribly excited to, mm -hmm. to meet us and talk about it. And and here we are on on the verge of finally seeing a documentary. Yeah. So there there's the great irony that you we're know, more united now than ever. And I think the thing is the, the, the to not bringing it out. I think the thing is too with it not being released is that it was ours. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. when, like, like, like when you see a kid, um, you know how geeks yeah. are so geeks are so protective of what we have, you know, because in yeah. high school nobody else wanted it but us. In middle school nobody else wanted it but us. And when you have a movie like The Avengers come out and you see people who, who they, they don't know who the Quicksilver and the you know Scarlet Witch <laughs> is. They don't know uh, you know the Black Panther's real name. They don't know anything about comic books. And suddenly they're going around celebrating the Avengers, and, and we're like, wait, I've lost a little piece of something that was mine. Oh, yeah. But with this one not being released, and the only place to get it is to go past that gatekeeper of a comic book convention or a guy who's into comics or has gotten it from a friend, from a friend, from a friend, and it's seven you know you know generations of VHS copied later. It, it's, it was still ours. You know what I mean? It was still yeah. our yeah. film. It wasn't the one that Fox made that was that anybody could go, whether or not they appreciated the characters or not. It was only for the people who appreciated and loved the characters enough to seek it out and have it. In yeah. that way, it is still ours to celebrate. Well played. Well, yeah. The like, only right, way very. I oh the only way I ever am I gonna have to repeat that for the documentary? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got my copy of the film at a comic book convention. Right. Sure. Wait, hours. and you worked on it. Like, how many of you guys didn't get a copy of the film right after? None of you. Oh, it was quite a while. I don't even know where I got my first Cop one. Copies yeah. were distributed to a copies, few people. Copies not to me. were leaked out. Um, yeah. You know, by, and I think by people that knew that we weren't ever going to get to see this thing, see the light of day. It was only which right. Is why. Yeah. So yeah. it was the right thing to do. It really was. Wow. Um, but uh, whoever started first churning out the those VHS copies, I don't know who that was. It's probably and, Mark. Uh, Probably Mark probably somewhere, probably. like a you know, a reel to reel copier. He's sitting there going, "I gotta leak everything." This but is then, mine. You know, I would if meet. I, I would meet editor. If you had thought of it, you would have done it in a minute. <laughs> somebody made a fortune. Well, guys, we're gonna pause for a, uh, a spot break. Um, when we get back, we're gonna open up the phone lines. The phone number is three two three six two two eight six two three. When we get back, we're gonna take some of the fan uh, phone calls. You're watching the Fantastic Four reunion on Geekscape. Thank you for watching. We'll be right back after this little break. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. What's up, Toadheads? Hey, make sure you check out the Toad Hop store on toadhopnetwork.com. It's a great way to support the network and helps continue to bring you quality programming. Quality programming, my ass. Can you see I'm recording you? Oh! To leave your house to shop, to crawl through traffic to the mall, just to find the thing you wanted, isn't even there at all. Amazon.com is the answer. Shop at home and style and ease. Find exactly what you want. Ordering your stuff's free. Books on tape, games galore, everything you're looking for. Kindle, cameras, electronics, baby Einstein, hooked on phonics, Blu-ray, movies, and TV, download, music, MP3, Pixar, Disney, microphone, pet supplies, and doggy bones, World of Warcraft, Nancy Drew, Sims, the Scruff, System 2. Click Amazon. You'll smile with glee. Sometimes shipping is even free. Does your car smell like you need scent bomb? Does your house smell like get some scent bomb? Does the bathroom smell like get some scent bomb? Go to getsomescentbomb.com today for the best air freshener you've ever tried. We are so confident that you will love scent bomb that we're giving away a free bottle to the next 12 customers to type in the promo code radio at checkout. If you're tired of weak air fresheners, try scent bomb. 
Scent Bomb is a concentrated air freshener. So all you need is just a couple of sprays and the smell will last for days. That's right. You spray it today and you still smell it tomorrow. We guarantee that it's the best air freshener you've ever tried. So go to GetSomeScentBomb.com and enter the promo code RADIO at checkout to get your free bottle today. There's nearly 100 fragrances to choose from. So go to GetSomeScentBomb.com. That's GetSomeScentBomb.com. Hey, Toad Hop listeners, the sports guru. And the butt knocker. From the Sportscast, Wednesdays, 4 to 6, Pacific Standard Time. You got to check us out, man. We do sports like nobody else. Cover NHL, NBA, NCAA, NFL. We cover all sports. We got you got not the fuck out. Bonehead of the week. Check us out on Toad Hop Network, 4 to 6 on Wednesdays. And if you miss it, go back and watch it live. ToadHopNetwork.com or download the audio from iTunes. While you're there, leave a comment and rate the show. Hey, guys, we need it. We're the nickel and dime show of the network. Check us out. A lot of fun. With Gamefly, choose from over 6,000 titles. Play as long as you want and send them back when you're done. $8.95 to start, no late fees. Gamefly.com. Games delivered. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network. Radio worth watching. All right, all right, all right. Thank you guys for waiting through that spot break. Uh, we're back with our Fantastic Four reunion. I just want to remind you guys real quick, uh, because I forgot to remind you guys earlier in the show, um... We've dropped our T-shirt prices to, you know, it's con season, and I want all of you Geekscapists to walk around as giant billboards for our uh, website, Geekscape.net. So if you go to Geekscape.net and you go into our store, we've uh, dropped our prices on our shirts just to get them out the door and onto you guys. So when you guys go to, like, C2E2 this weekend or you go to San Diego Comic-Con this July, where we'll be and we'll have a booth and you guys can come uh, hang out with us, we want you guys wearing a Geekscape shirt. So we dropped all our prices to get those things out to you guys. Um, go ahead and order. Also, if you're watching this, um, after the show, uh, I've got a jet up to my friend Jace Hall's place. I'm going to be a guest on Leet Lounge Live. If you Google that, Leet Lounge Live, and it's spelled like Leet, like these Halo kids. It's not actually spelled like so Elite. It's spelled, it's spelled 1337, right? Because it spells... Yeah, never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll be a guest there. We're going to be playing video games until midnight. My brother Paul uh, might be dropping by and we'll play some games together. So if you're into video games and you're watching this... I'll be a guest on Leet Lounge Live at 8 p.m. Pacific right after this show. I'm going to shoot up to the valley and be a guest there. Um, all right, let's get back to it. The phone lines are now open, 323-622-8623. If you guys want to call up, you get to talk to uh, Carl or Rebecca or Joe or uh, Mark. Mark, I want to know more about this documentary. Uh, you guys are aiming for this film to be done in 2014, the 20th anniversary of the film's release. Um, how far are you guys in the process? Is it just a planning stage? You guys need this Kickstarter to, to go off? Uh, are you guys going to make this movie hell or high water? We're going to make this movie hell or high water. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hurt our Kickstarter sure, campaign. Sure. But to do it right, to do it the way we really wanted to do it, and to do it the way that the film deserves, the Kickstarter campaign, we raised $50,000, and the film's going to look great. Mm -hmm. But there's no way we're not going to do it. Right. My friend uh, John Schnapp just had a successful Kickstarter campaign for his Superman Lives documentary. Did you know about the Superman Lives documentary? Absolutely. We paid very close attention. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, John called up the show uh, about a month or two ago to promote while well, he was in the midst of his Kickstarter campaign. And he went, he hit his goal and, and went, and I mean, that's a great idea for a movie, too. The, yeah. the superhero movie that everybody bemoaned, and it didn't even happen. Right. This is a superhero movie that uh, everybody bemoaned, I think when they had it until they had it in their hands. And then 
I think they bemoaned even less once Fox made their version, and they were like, well, that's not the Fantastic Four. Did you guys see the, the Fox version? Like, how do you guys think about the, you know, I know that they're going to make a new Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, um, again. Yeah, well, how, how do you guys feel about uh, the continuation right of these things? Somehow. Right. <laughs> they don't seem to get it right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, when the, when the, when the big, you know, the first one, the first, uh, you know, uh, big Fox film came out, I was like, okay, finally. And I think it was 14 years it took him to do something like that. Right. And, uh, and I thought it was, you know, it looked terrific and it had great special effects because now everything had, you know, done hyper jump to, uh, you know, CGI and all the stuff that we, we couldn't afford or even didn't even exist. Back right. Then. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought it was pretty well done. It looked great. Yeah. I thought it looked terrific. But, you know, it was clear that the there were characteristics of the comic that were missing there were things about the characters and I'll, and I'll certainly speak for myself which was that Dr. Doom uh, and I thought that um, Julian you know he's a good actor and, and, and it was what they wanted to do but everybody started emailing me saying dude it's not like yours at all it's not even close to Doom and I started to get very flattered that people were going back to the unreleased film right. in '94 and saying, you know, your doom rules, and you know, not you know overdoing that because you know uh, uh, it, the the new film was terrific in a lot of ways, but there were uh, aspects of that character that you just never saw. Mm-hmm. He, he's not a regular guy. Look, Victor is not a regular guy. So they revisioned the whole thing. And that was disappointing for for comic book fans who were always in love with the the legend yeah. of of the comic. So. Yeah, it, it, it troubled me, and and you know you want to forgive these things sometimes when you're in the theater. You're like, well, maybe it'll, you know maybe we'll get some of these parts right, and maybe you know. And again, like I said, I think Chris Evans as Johnny Storm was like awesome casting. I think Michael Chiklis is a great casting. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I mean, just inherently in the story, mm-hmm. there's a scene where Doctor Doom is at a diner eating pie with the thing. Mortal, I mean, after everything, this will never happen. I was like, wait a minute! Like, we'll I, said, I was like, what, what kind of pie? Sorry, I would have shot. It's Latvian berry pie. I would have shot that scene. Uh, it's just like, wait a minute! Like, uh, the nerd inside of you is like, what? It's, a, it's why, an offense. Why am I? I want to see them going toe to toe, like smacking each other across right. Times Square. I don't want to see them eating pie together. What is going on here? Yeah. Um, you know, you're right. It's a, it's a it's an offense to us geeks. It's we take that stuff personally because we don't know when the next Fantastic Four movie. Is well, yeah. Come let's out. not talk about the sequel. <sighs> well, our good friend Doug Jones was in the sequel, and then they yeah. dubbed him. You know, they, they was that your voice, Carl, in the thing, or the Michael's voice? That was Michael. That was Michael Bailey Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in and and, uh, and uh, ADR voiceovered everything. I did all the dialogue in the suit, and the, the, I had a, a servo motor underneath the head, and so that that's why the, the, the mouth, mouth moves, moves yeah. and the eyebrows move and the cheeks move, and and so you get a very realistic look to it. But somebody else is controlling those. Somebody else, Okay. Yeah. So the only thing I heard was... Was it hard to hear that? I mean, <laughs> when you're trying to respond to the other actors, et cetera, like, could you hear anything? It just sounded underwater. Like, yeah. it's just like you were acting underwater the exactly. entire time. But um, but it played right, and Michael came in and did the um, did all the, the voiceover for it, you know, the clobber in time and all that. Mm-hmm. That was Michael. He's got a huge, booming voice. He's a big, big guy. So, um, yeah, he did all that. That was not me. 
Wow. And um, in Acting as Doom, you were saying earlier that the, the, the mask helps. What part of the... Because at the beginning of the movie, I was saying before you got here, at the beginning of the movie, the relationship between you and Reed is uh, an important part that was missing from these new ones. Yeah. You know, uh, that friendship that goes awry. And, I mean, he thinks that you're dead. Yep. You know, he thinks that he killed, that you died in this accident. That's right. Right? And right. so he's living with this guilt that is then only, you know, multiplied over and over with the guilt that he has for Ben and what he did to Sue and et cetera. And the irony is that he pursues Colossus as a way to kind of honor Victor in a strange way. That's right. the irony of it. And then it turns out he ends up, you know, fighting him in the end. Right. Um, you know, I think the relationship between the two of them uh, was important. Uh, it, it certainly does appear in the original comic. Um, and I tried to work for various levels of... They're very subtle, but, you know, if you watch the film and the, the few scenes that, that were in our early college years, that Victor has uh, an equal helping of you know, that he likes Reed, that he actually likes him, maybe even envies him because he's an, he's an outsider, he comes from another country, uh, and maybe envies him too, maybe he's mm -hmm. jealous of him. And that the experience uh, of Colossus goes awry, um, Victor gets burned up, and something, you know, happens, something changes him. Uh, yes, he, he, you know, they, they failed in their attempt, but uh, it's as if those qualities, those early qualities uh, of the relationship become amplified. And so now he's tremendously jealous of Reed and uh, at the same time and, and now wants to wants to destroy him um, so I, I like those shadings I think they're there and um, and again I think they honor the comic let me say that you know the, the new films while I think what we keep what we keep complaining about is that there's this tendency in, in all big films today that take a, a, something like classic comic is to modernize them, mm -hmm. is to try and inflect them with, with you know, kind of hipness and how we are today and the way we would talk. We, do, as geeks of uh, comic lore, we don't want to see that. We want to see the way it was, and that, and we want to see that brought to life, the, to honor the comic in all of its glory. We don't want to over hip it and and kind of modernize it so that it's like, you know, there it becomes pedestrian. It becomes pedestrian. It becomes insincere. Oh, there you, you know go. what I mean. Yeah. In, in yeah. sincerity it, for glib. people, yeah. we don't. I mean, sincerity is everything to geeks. You know what I mean. Sincerity it, it, is everything to geeks. Well, I think to actors too is is yeah. is that at yeah. the end of the day, that's you up there uh, uh, on screen, and and if you can't bring out the sincerity of that character, then everyone will know it. Well, Mark, you can speak to this, too, as a lifelong comic book lover. And as you said, when yeah. you were seven, your parents opened a comic book store. Yeah. Um, and I was just, as I was listening to uh, Joe, I was thinking myself as a filmmaker going like, oh, man, it's fantastic. Um, when you're trying to adapt something or create something as fantastical as, as a comic book or, like, specifically the Fantastic Four, would you say that the answers, when you're trying to modernize them, like we're trying to make them 2013, et cetera, uh, the answers aren't forward? Or in the present, but in the past, because people like Stan Lee. If you talk to Stan Lee, if you talk to you know these comic book creators from the fifties and sixties, they were all they weren't reading comics. They, the comics were a medium that hadn't even existed twenty years at that point. Right. They were reading Dickens, Shakespeare, they, or, or, or they were reading Huck Finn, or they were reading you know uh, Jules Verne. They were, I mean, that was their science fiction. Maybe they were reading the pulp books, but they were reading old stuff that was had these classic themes that sure. start to permeate sure. the the fantastic four these themes of brotherhood and betrayal etc cetera, etc cetera. because when you look at the the difference between comic books created now 
they seem plastic. Comic book creators and uh, comic book creations in the, you know today are they seem plastic. They just seem like they're cool. They have a cool design. They have a cool suit. They kill a ton of people, and that's that. But something magical from that period, where you know, in the mid '30s, late '30s, when Superman's created, up and through. Uh, I mean, where did it end? The the, the, the mid '70s, when you yeah. have these these characters who stopped being things bo- born from. They stopped being born from the the, the classics that, uh, of literature that everybody that was a creator then grew up with. And started being kind of, would you say, regurgitation? Was it just self-referential? Was it just trying to top itself without knowing the basis? Well, I think you're... Go ahead. No, I think it, it's definitely some of that, but it's also... It started to become more audience-savvy and mm-hmm. aimed at the audience. And, and, and as movies were being made and being successful, it started to become what's going to sell toys, what's going to sell, you know... Happy meal. And yet, right. I don't think it's proven at all that a more, uh, you know, modern sort of glib approach to the classic material sells more of anything. No, right. I don't think that's proven at all. I think they think it's safer. Yeah, I, that's right. I, I don't think on it's a marketing true. level. It's like, right. Ah, we want these guys to seem like you know cool guys are on MTV or on YouTube or whatever. But as an actor, but I don't think it's proven at all that it. No, works. and if you asked, you'd be it, horrified, wouldn't you, Rebecca? Like if it was that cursory or you know pedestrian like you want those shades like what joe is talking about mm-hmm. the scene when you when 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 reed realizes the basis of your power is when is is not when you're using your power it's when you're expressing your own you know you feel overlooked yeah yeah i mean when yeah when we were shooting it it was it, we were, it was constantly discussed from the point of view of the comic book fan it wasn't what we wanted as an actor or what right. the writer wrote it was like we, it would always go back to the books, go back to the fan. We knew who the audience was, and we knew that they knew more than us. Mm-hmm. So it's like we had to make it accurate for them. For me personally, I don't know why the, the piece of the movie that just touches me, and I think that that's what everybody talks about was the relationship between the four, was it, it's it's the scene where, where you're off, where... Uh, um, Ben Grimm, yeah, thing, yeah. Where, where Ben goes off and he's you know dealing with that, that he's kind of left us. But it's kind of the Frankenstein monster. It's like so freak. great. Yeah. Just yeah. Such a, yeah, that's the best thing about that character, that Frankenstein yeah. aspect. And then and then the three of us are back, and then he and he comes in, mm-hmm. and I just remember shooting that and and in just that scene in the movie, and you know I run and you know hug him, and the guys come up, and that's where you know we ended up doing the big one two three, you know the big yeah. hand yeah, thing, yeah. and I don't know to me like that's just where. I mean, I literally have goosebumps right now just talking about that. That, and that it just, and I think that that translates to to everyone. And I don't think that that's come out since that it's it, it was about the special effects. It was about the fact that this person was a star, and it doesn't take away from those films. But that's what it. The other films didn't have that mm-hmm. that ours did. You know, we 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 had the opportunity uh, a couple of years ago, St. Louis, to actually see um, an informal underground screening um maybe the first unpublic screening i don't know what we would call it with with a group of people uh at a comic con and it was really fabulous because not only did they did know the film and they wanted to see it um but there were those moments where they responded the audience responded the way an audience can respond which was with this you know, glee and, and enthusiasm and cheering. And when Doom did stuff, you know, and... Doom I, was a badass. You know, I went, oh, yeah. I, you <laughs> know, I, I unapologetically went as far as I could possibly go with this character because I looked at him in the comic book. I go, this guy, 
thinks he is God. You yes. know, it's like there is no stepping back from this. He's as grandiose and powerful and full of himself and means it. And he's not playing sotto voce. Uh, <laughs> I've got some powers in this suit. Bull, you know, it's like, no, he's saying I am I'm I'm it. And people like cheered <laughs> when Doom did stuff. And you know, and, and, and when they they were, you know, successful in vanquishing the villain. It was uh, it was marvelous to see it with an audience, and, oh, yeah. and it was because yeah. of those 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 qualities, those sincere, uh, um, classic emotional notes mm -hmm. that we were going for, and they work, you know, and they weren't cliched. And, they and they the worked humor. as there's, a real cathartic experience, yes. and lots of humor. In lots the truncated production schedule, in the tr truncated like prep, how much of that stuff did you guys? get through i mean how much of that was created beforehand how much of it was just thrown after you know during the production when you guys were i mean i'm guessing there wasn't a big rehearsal schedule i don't think there was any. <laughs> there was. And go. like how much of this stuff was explored as you guys were literally i mean on set like there couldn't have been that many takes you guys were kind of just like trying to throw yeah. the football up yeah. the field yeah you know sports analogy on a geek show you know, yeah thinking on you thinking on your feet yeah i, I knew i knew nothing about comic books when i got this job right i was, I was happy to get the job when word got out, well, they were building the costume for a couple of weeks. While word got out, Carl's doing the thing on Fantastic Four. I got phone calls from people that I didn't even know going, oh, my God, you're, you're playing Ben Grimm the thing. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I got three weeks of work. <laughs> right, 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 right. And they're like, no, you don't understand. So I did a little research, and, and um, I think each one of us, actors, knowing that what we leave on screen is all we can leave, mm -hmm. Um, went through and did some studying and did some research. Um, I spent. I, I will tell you uh, again. You know, without shame, I went and did my method actor bit. I spent about a month. Once I had the, I role, have to become egotistical and maniacal. <laughs> and I, well, I went. The, I'll tell you what. I really had to do was not only discover. You know what triggers. You know emotionally would really propel this stuff and all that. But um, I what I had to say. What I've got in this role after I do the Victor scenes got my voice and mm. I've got my body that's all I got I can't rely on my face to do anything so I worked on those physical gestures for you know by myself I went into a, a little stage in Hollywood I put on a, a ski mask to see what it was like <laughs> to feel like oh, it's uh -huh. hot in here and it was worse when I had the mask on but um, so I did I did I worked on it I could I knew I couldn't you know just show up at the set and and figure it out mm -hmm. so the hand movements and the body postures, and I looked at the comic book, and I really kind of systematically went through it and said, I've got to come up, and I wrote down, like, this move, this move, this move, this move, next to various lines, and I would try them out in the dressing room uh, while we were preparing to shoot. So I did, I had to do the homework. We love you. Well. As geeks, we love you. <laughs> I, I mean, like, we love you. I mean, Doom is one of the most iconic villains in the Marvel Universe or in all of comics. Absolutely. And his stances and the way that, I mean, the way he's drawn and everything is just bold and powerful. And the fact that Joe goes off and does this, yeah, I mean, it, it's just loyal to what we care about. Carl, um, being encased in so much, the ability to project physically, because obviously couldn't hear from what you're telling us. Right. Say, <laughs> like, um I mean, in a way that the mask helps you say, okay, there's absolutely a physical barrier here, and I have to go big, but I also have to go true when I convey this. The camera's there? Okay, I'm going to play it. Um, 
how was it swimming in that? I mean, swimming in that mm-hmm. suit, trying to get your performance across. I, I think, um, geez, twenty some years ago, I was a little bit younger, so it was a little bit easier. You wouldn't do it again. <laughs> you wouldn't do it again right now. In that suit, mm-hmm. you see, today there have been some be, advancements. Maybe a cool suit, something like that. Uh-huh. that they used to have. Um, I, I think that um, that as a as an on screen actor in that suit, I still needed to convey everything that that character conveys. Um, not so much worried about what what Ben Grimm or Michael Bailey would do, but still what, what the thing would do. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, the movement was difficult, but it was a lot of things I do aren't easy. So it's it's you learn how to get through that. It's not that. You don't do a lot of things easy. I remember when no. we were talking, you, you were about to go off and be one of the drivers on Drive. You have a drive team. I work with a precision you work with a precision team. drive team, and yeah. you guys worked on things like like what else you guys worked on? That's like insane. Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, oh, don't do that to me without a resume. <laughs> oh come on, come on, come on! Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you were like, yeah, I'm going to work on this thing on drive, and they cut, they they shut down the two north of downtown. I was like, oh, this drive thing might be cool, and then I, you see drive, and you see the driving in drive, and you're like, Jesus, Carl, like that's insanity. <laughs> well, you know, so, uh, again, some of the stuff that we do, and and um, you know, thank goodness for cameras and special effects and good people. Um, but as far as Fantastic Four goes, the 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 costume was tough to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but the people, the situation, the director, the other stunt people that I do, the fight, the walls I needed to go through, um, were all so well prepped for me that um, that it was much easier to step in and and uh, pull the performance out. And um, and having the mask on was a pain in the butt and fun all at the same time, like Joseph said, you know, even as a stuntman, even not even playing that character, um, it was it was the ability to be big about it. Right. Sure. And Rebecca, you had said that you weren't a comic book person. You did do start doing your, um, your research as you were um, preparing for the role once you'd gotten it. Um, your soap opera background, though, when you got there and you got the script and you realize Fantastic Four really is just a big soap opera. Granted, it's got some big extremes, the superpowers, the situations, the loud characters. But how much did the soap opera background help you in those things that you said were important and that we all agree are important, those relationships? Did you play it like a soap opera or did you play it differently than you'd played your prior roles? Not intentionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I think it was just the reality of the situation. I mean, it was. it's a little, it's melodramatic. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, even the reveal of, of Susan the first time when, when Reed sees her and she's grown up. And, um, yeah, and I, I what think a vision just, she was. <laughs> coming Never down the stairs that. all backward. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it all just happened so fast. I mean, when we were shooting it. It was just, you know, short on time and, and things moved so quickly. I, I wish I could remember more specifics. But I think it was just always, I mean, truthful in, in the moment. Um, when I watch it now, there's a million things that I would do different. I, uh, I, I, I can't true? watch it and love it. I mean, I, I watch it and I'm just like, oh, oh, I just, uh, it's like, can we go shoot this again? Do I look the same? Yes. That, yes, we can. That. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, can we do some reenactments for for the documentary? If we, guys, if we, if we hit the, stre- wow. yeah, on, the on the Kickstarter, if we hit the stretch goal of 100,000. We, we're going to go and shoot you some music. You get to come yeah. in and direct the scene with the original actor. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. I'd do it. If everybody I that spent $10 on a, on, a, on a bootleg copy yeah. would spend $5 yeah. toward this documentary, yeah. we'd have it done 10 times over. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about it that way, sure. but yeah. So we're putting all fans on notice. 
right now. Yeah. You want to see the true story of what happened to the Fantastic Four movie, the first movie ever made, uh, you will be you know, going to Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah, we have the whole up. cast okay. committed to do interviews. And that starts May 21st. Jay, uh, May 21st on Kickstarter. We're also okay. at Doomed FF on Twitter. Doom FF. Yeah. Doomed. At Doomed, Doomed. FF. Uh-huh. And uh, we have got some amazing plans for incentives. Okay. A date with so Jessica Alba? we will... We will raise the money okay. if, we, if we get fans to the site because we're making incentives that are almost worth the donation. Now, you're wearing a, a sweater that was given to all cast members, cast and crew? I, I think cast and crew because I wasn't cast, so right. I, I only got this because um, I'm pretty sure. Somebody no, no, show it to us. There, there he is. Uh, the thing is on the back. It says it's clobbering time. It's a Kirby drawing of the thing fantastic for the movie now you got that when the production wrapped i did um and you, you where'd you find that thing like it's been 19 years since it was in storage for years uh-huh um and i i went through storage months ago no yeah everybody as you were thinking about as making I, as, this yeah because i've still got everything you've mentioned right. the film threat the comics buyers guy right i have all that uh-huh I have a set of slides. This guy's legit. I love having yeah. a, I love. I mean, you guys are you guys are cool. I love yeah. actors, but having a geek, one of our own, oh, yeah. on the show. No, no. Well, I have. Yeah, I have all the press, and yeah. I have the T-shirt and the sweatshirt. Nice. I still have. I still have a, a, a box of the stills that Concord gave me right. for the for the Comic Con. But they won't. They wouldn't let you guys keep any of the costume or the suit or anything like like Carl. You couldn't keep no your comment. your sweat like soaked. I have, I have one feet. of the <laughs> somebody actually wanted masks. Yeah. Have you have one of, one of the. I have one of the test doom masks. Yeah. A test doom mask from, from Optic Nerve. What's yeah. really funny is Carl said that when you came in here and sat down, you started uh, drumming your fingers like Doom did. <laughs> <laughs> how, gloves. How much of how much of these characters stayed with you guys through your career? Like when we see. Uh, I often well, scream it's clobbering time. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just do. That wasn't, even, that, wasn't even, that wasn't even your voice. <laughs> well, I think the real question is not how much do they stay with us, but how much of us are actually those characters. Yeah. <laughs> this oh. I will not tell you. <laughs> but but um, talk a little bit about what you guys are up to today as well. Like uh, Rebecca, you just did an episode of Dexter. I just did a Dexter. I just uh, today found out that I booked an episode of Masters of Sex, which is a new Hello. series wow. on uh, Showtime. What is that? No, but I want to see it. It's a true story. <laughs> Masters and Johnson back in uh, St. Louis, the University of Missouri. Uh, they were the first people that started um, investigating, like scientifically, Studying sexuality. Sex. Yeah. Studying sex, and so it was very taboo. So it's it's a cool series because you have the time period, mm-hmm. and then you have the the subject matter of it being very titillating. It's a movie or a series? It's, it's a TV series. TV series. TV series on Showtime. Masters and Johnson is what it's based on. Is the scientific study of sex, and the name of the series is Masters of Sex. But it's a narrative, or it's a di- like a scientific. No, no, it's no, a, it's, it's a it's show. A it's just a period it's show. A drama. Oh, okay. It's a yeah. drama. Carl's trying to figure out how he can get a read for that one. Yeah. He's like, how can you I come know, in and do the, you know, the scientific thing? I mean, they're going to need the other half of this whole thing. <laughs> well, you know. I'm actually just trying to picture her in her blue outfit with the big four again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody looks as good as she did in that. No, it's awesome. You were Sue. You were Sue Storm. Absolutely. All the way. You know, here's a funny note with Michael Chiklis. We lived on the same beach in Malibu, so years Years later, so this was back in uh, what 
2006 and seven. I mean, I lived on the beach first, and then they rented, he and his family rented for, I don't know, a couple of months or a year or whatever. And then I, the I see him on the beach, yeah. and it's like, you don't probably know this. And so it's funny. So he, he would always call me Sue. And so when I told him that I had done that, so uh, still neighbor to me, hey, Sue. And then I worked with Julian. I did um, uh, Nip Tuck. Nip Tuck. Thank you, God. Yeah. I, did, I, 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 I flew in last night, and so I'm just, I'm a little. And so I worked with Julian, and so we have this scene where we're, you know, having sex on his desk in nip tuck in nip tuck and so he and he's leaving and he, he's leaving the next day to go do a movie in vancouver and i'm like oh what are you shooting he's like oh this you know superhero movie i'm like oh what's it called he's like fantastic four i'm like who what and he's like i'm dr doom i'm like i'm sue storm and so the, you know there was a crossover Something transition dr. of time that wanted. dr doom and sue <laughs> storm dr. Doom he's pervasive there's a whole <laughs> dr other... doom had sex with sue storm i see yeah. a, a whole Nip-tuck. other uh, my world is episode. crumbling <laughs> I, can, I can understand namor but dr doom are you kidding me people are searching on the internet right now that's it you know yeah. what, what, what geeks really wanted was for you to be like um you're not dr doom over here Joe. Joe is Dr. Joe is. That's right. That's what he's, you that's right. table tapper. Oh, good luck, because you'll never outdo my my one and only doom, Joseph Culp. Um, Give us the yeah. voice. So the, vo- the doom voice. Here's to the future, my friend. And <laughs> I said that to my... We need to get some, like, uh, we need to get some station IDs with that. Yeah, yeah. This is Dr. You, doom. you do not have the strength to strike the final blow, do you? I remember that one. Nice. <laughs> do you do that when you get mad at like a parking mate or anything? Yeah. <laughs> like, just ask my kids. Does he does he discipline you guys as Doom at any point? His discipline? kids are no, 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 no. We don't believe in discipline. <laughs> but the stern voice is like, "What's he mad about now?" You spare the rod because you can just talk like that, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Okay, well, I don't want a Doom bot." I got to put on a whole spanking. damn suit, you know. <laughs> yeah. Get him attention, my place. Yeah, <laughs> Carl's yeah. kids. Oh, sure, it is clobbering time. We'll give you the hour and a half and the three hours it takes you to get Jump that suit with the makeup. A pain on the butt. Sure, clobbering time's coming in about five hours. How long did that suit take you to put on? Well, you know what? I, I jumped right in and and um, and like and like you slipped Joseph, right out. You know, I, like Jay, exactly. You know, you, they threw leotards on you and put you in a suit and and uh, zipped you up. And right, you're good to go. Yeah, buckled your head in and said, "Okay, go." So, and I had two, I actually had two two heads. I had the, the head with the servo motor in. Okay. And then I had just a pure rubber head that we used to go through the wall and did the stunts and stuff. And to, to not you could have just done edge. that without the suit. You think? You're a stunt guy, yeah. Yeah, I might not have sold. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I think that um, I don't know what I, I don't know what I think. Right. I right. Mm, um, I think that we're 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 getting close. If you guys have any, I'm kind of surprised because usually we have a ton of phone calls and on Facebook people are like, I hope I get, actually get in. Um, the phone number is three two three six two two eight six two three. Your ability to talk to uh, Rebecca and Carl and Joe and Mark is slipping away. So give us a phone call three two three six two two eight six two three as we wrap up. Mark, um, I want to keep talking to you about the uh, reaction to this film. I mean, we talked about how what you guys have taken away from the role. Yeah. Um, what made you want to do this documentary? What made you say, you know, like, let's let's bring this back? I mean, it's something that most people, I mean, no geeks have seen it, but most people had not seen. Yeah. Uh, my producing partner, Marty Langford, is one of my old friends, and he was visiting me in L.A. when we were shooting this movie. Mm. And he is he worked at the comic book store. Right. 
So he got just a, a taste, and he was in heaven like I was. We were both just sort of trying to not Did he ever show go to set it. or anything? Did you ever have him on set? I think we visited location. I don't think we ever went down to the Venice Beach set. But he just got to see just a taste of it and, mm-hmm. and see the office where we cast it. and It stuck with him, and, and he then, like the holy grail for the next... 18 years tried to find the best bootleg copy out there. <laughs> he, he owns about 23 copies of this film. Oh. Wait, what? In different generations, constantly searching for the best quality. That's a man obsessed. And, and so you're going to use so his he, material. Well, he called me and said, dude, why has nobody ever told this story? Let's do a documentary. Right. And you hadn't thought of it. He's going to direct it. I, I had never really thought about it um, as a documentary, no. And, and I don't know why I hadn't. I did. Yeah, I know. You had. I had thought about it. I started work on a documentary um, last year, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been thinking about, like, this. Every, we did a couple of Comic-Cons. We all got back together. I said, you know, this is a story. The last time we were in St. Louis that time, and, and there was a lot of people there. And it was so clear to me right then. It's like, okay, there's a huge fan base for this film. Uh, that means that they want to not only do they want to know the real story, but they want to see the movie. And I wanted to say, I mean, my hope uh, for you to make this film, and I decided not to pursue it because I felt I'm too I'm too close right to it. You know, right. I'm doom. I can't. They should be Dude, interviewing doom, me. If, if doom I yeah. made the film, if I doom made yeah. the film, it becomes like this guy's really crazy. You know? um, uh, uh, the megalomania would not stop. <laughs> but it would have been awesome. Well, and what are you going to do? Interview yourself? I do. I would have to say, so, much so how better. did you feel about that? Well, yeah. I'll tell you in character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I said to... someone else is going to do that. And, and now it's going to be Mark yeah. and Marty. Um, so, Joe, can, you, what I wanted, can you direct the reenactments? I can direct the <laughs> But yes. what I wanted to say was that my hope would, would have, the reason why I thought about someone should do a documentary, maybe it should be me, no, it shouldn't be me, um, was for what reason? Not only because there's a story to be told, but I think what we all want to see, and, and you know, if, if it would be possible, is that this film should get released. Absolutely. The original movie. The original movie. film Absolutely. should get released. get released. In some capacity. <laughs> yeah. I don't right. care if it's on a... Netflix on, or Redbox. I mean, there's so many digital distribution models now that... Like, what, they could even release it as a special feature on, on the, the new Fantastic right. Four movie. Yeah. Fox could do that's, that. That's, is that that's possible, a no-brainer. Mark, Mark is that possible? Like, like well, who new owns Constantine the movie? They kept the license because they made... Roger they Corman's film. But they don't have it still. Yes, they sure do. they do. They? Go okay. and look at the two movies. New Constantine, okay. Constantine and Fox make these films. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they could at any time say, all right, we're going to go get it out of the vault, wherever it may be hiding. And, so it would be a clear. slap it in. It would be a no-brainer. Yeah. They, they would not, it not only would be a great special feature, uh, but they would if they did it separately, my, my theory is they would make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everyone's going to buy a copy. I mean, if this Captain America, separately. Yeah. the Captain yeah. America Blu-ray comes out in like two weeks. They shipped me a copy of that thing, and I, and I love watching the rubber deer Captain America one because it was sure. the only one I had, like the Italian red skull. I was like, sure. And I don't think the release of that on Blu-ray is going to affect too much the Captain America Chris Evans release that comes out no, next and, year. And, and we're mean, watching Legends of the Superheroes because yeah. they haven't come out with a JLA film. So right, you do you take what you can get. 
Right. Us geeks were like, oh, man, I want to watch that Generation X pilot that they did in yeah. the 90s. And, and the Nick Fury with David Hasselhoff. Like, we love that Better stuff. Better than nothing. Right. But, no, of course. And that's the good news about doing the documentary is that finally it will push the issue so far into the public eye that, you know, there could be a groundswell and you could force it to happen. That's the battle cry right there. I think, and there's no better documentary when you have, you know, a, mo- a real motivation to get something done. Yeah, right. It's not just a cool story. It's because we want to change something. Well, guys, I think that's what we hear. Like, that is, I mean, that's the purpose right here. Um, May 21st, this Kickstarter goes up. We're going to put it on the front page of the site because I think we should. Dude. I mean, it, well, it's going to be a month, 60 the days. The Facebook page is up now, and we're really looking to build up the likes. Let's do it. It's doomed. And May 21st on Kickstarter, it launches and 30, 30 day days campaign? a 30 day campaign with great, great prizes. Okay, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to push that thing uh, both on the show, on the site, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, go to the site, buy a shirt, try it, wear uh, Comic Con. Guys, uh, San Diego Comic Con, mid July, are you guys going? Because we have a booth on the floor, and it'd be awesome to see you guys and maybe have you guys come and promote the documentary more or well, you, if okay. you want to shoot it in San Diego <laughs> et cetera et cetera we've talked yeah. about that so we're just looking for the right opportunity because okay. we don't have any plans but we we're, that's when we're Comic-Con. shooting it yeah in July yeah. So it might be a great. a great place to I'd get fan to reaction if there's a way I don't to do make, it we yeah, would guys, love to do it let's do it let's do it yeah, everybody gonna Come put their, their hands in the time there we go Carl guys thank you so much for coming on the show uh it's just, I mean, I'm out of a loss for words seeing you guys here. Uh, it's awesome, Rebecca and Carl and and uh, and Joe and Mark. Where can we catch up with you guys? Like, if you know, people are watching and they want to follow you guys on social media or keep up with you guys and what you're working on. If they want to, well, really, get... if they want to see Masters of Sex, <laughs> tune into Masters Masters of Sex. Uh, you can go to my website, josephculp.com. There's mm-hmm. always news about stuff I'm doing there. I'm directing a movie in August. Uh, I'm always doing. Uh, Movies, television, and theater. So you know, I pop up uh, in numerous places. That's cool. We want to. I want to see you back on Mad Men too. We love that. Yeah, there's always that yeah. possibility. You're so damn good in yeah. that. Maybe the ghost of Don, uh, Archie Whitman is it? Archie Whitman. That's right. Um, how about yourself, Carl? Um, same like Joseph. Uh, CarlSerfalio.com or on Facebook, or um, you can catch me. Movies or TV, but you gotta look really quick because I usually get killed. Here he is, boom. Mark, how about you? Well, uh, I'm trying to direct as much traffic as possible to our Facebook page for Doomed, but you can find me directly at uh, MarkSykes.com. Okay, all right. And last but definitely not least, Rebecca. RebeccaStaub.com, even though I'm probably, I, I need somebody to keep it up for me because oh, really? I, I don't really update t- my website. Why don't you get on the Twitter? Well, I on the Twitter. Yeah, why don't you get on I, that I'm Twitter? On Facebook. I don't have enough time in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, Facebook. You can find me on just Facebook. Just a little tweet. Just let us know what you're eating every now and then, or like if you take a picture of a dog or something, or like you know, oh, I hey, went grocery, went grocery shopping. Like that's what Twitter's for, right? You know, just random thoughts. Uh, not enough time in the day. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so, no, what am I talking about? I'm, I'm on it all the time. Uh, speaking <laughs> speaking for the geeks, uh, guys, we're at geekscape.net. That's where you can find us. I'm at Jonathan London on Twitter, and uh, we're going to be doing all that. As I said earlier, if you guys haven't had enough of this uh, face and this voice, uh, you guys can jump over to Jace Hall's Elite Lounge Live. I'll be on there in a few minutes at 8 o'clock. Pacific Standard Time, talking video games. So it's a different subject. We're going to be talking video games and playing video games until the wee hours of the morning. Uh, for uh, Johnny Ice over here, uh, I'm Jonathan Lennon. You've been watching Geekscape. We'll be back next week. Thank you, guys, and good night. Good night.
You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.